Well, hello and welcome to another episode of But Why. Today's episode is in partnership with Rude Health. You know, might know Rude Health for the fact that they make delicious mueslis, porridge, milk alternatives. If you don't know them, you should because they really are delicious. And inspired by that I am going to be talking about sustainability and and it's not kind of as clean cut as that because we also touch on veganism and constant conscious consumerism um it's a bit of a two-parter first of all I'm going to be chatting to Emmy Lucas who is sustainably vegan on Instagram I kind of don't need to introduce her I think her handle speaks to her speaks for itself and then Later, I'm going to be talking to Camilla, the founder of Rude Health, about how the business went from being something she did with her husband on the kitchen table to now being the biggest muesli brand in the UK. So when I think of sustainability and veganism, I feel very conflicted. I think like most people, I want to hand the world over to the next generation in a good state. I'm very aware that um, some of our behaviour as humans has meant that we're in crisis. But also I need to try and function as a mum of three trying to get by in life and pay the bills and get food on the table. And so sometimes those things can be feel disconnected. Similarly, I have previously found that What's the right language to use here? There's a bit of hierarchy or a bit of um, cliquey. These aren't the right words. But I can feel like that these worlds are inaccessible. And if you're not doing veganism and sustainability to the nth degree, then, then you should feel ashamed of yourself. And instinctively, I don't ever like um, constructs like that because I think you lose people along the way which is why today's conversation is actually really refreshing because I think we talk in a way that I've not done before and it made me consider the subject in a bit of a broader context so enough of me rabbiting let's get cracking first up with Immy so I've had um, one of those weeks yesterday we have we get um, pip and nut peanut butter in the giant like bucket size and I moved it from where it lives near the toaster to the dining room table didn't realize the lid wasn't on basically poured and you know how runny it is all the way like through the kitchen onto the dining room table the worst part is i was wearing suede trainers i poured it all over all of my trainers i'm like that's expensive peanut butter it's really messy and it's only my fault Do you know what? I feel like that epitomizes a lot of people's kind of most recent life, just weeks and times and life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? It's interesting because I've been like, yeah, just in chaos and I'm into astrology. So there's a lot of astrological reasons for that. But actually, I saw someone. um, So Paloma Pandora is saying that she thinks what's happened, apart from all the reasons we we know has happened, that a lot of people have been through a lot of growth in the last year and that we aren't allowing for a period of integration so we've kind of grown then we've gone bam back into our old lives and the disconnect between those two is 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 what's spinning us all out because you're like trying to go through the motions of old life and be like but I'm not quite that person anymore neither's anybody else 
I, was like, I think there's there's definitely some truth in that as well as kind of chronic burnout probably oh the burnout is real I recently had to just take a, a couple of weeks off and do nothing and I managed yeah. to read like six books in two weeks because I suddenly found that I actually had the capacity to concentrate wow and then if you don't also my friend sent me this really important article that was saying that like rest if for example is not the only way or sleep sorry is not the only rest that we need mm-hmm. like we need emotional rest creative rest sensory rest wow. we're all spending so much time looking at screens and our phones to stay connected to people mm-hmm. and once you just take a step back you're suddenly like oh I actually have ideas again oh I'm wow. actually excited about life again mm. you don't how the burnout is real for everyone and and the thing is it's the it's the collective energy right nobody's had a holiday for a year and a bit and and so everyone is just existing on this on this very specific energy and and the thing is I think we've got very used to feeling all right so I'm like oh I, I feel kind of okay except for then when something just tips you slightly over the edge and you're suddenly like I'm really not okay and and then it's that scary thing of not knowing how to what what levers to pull actually to try and to try and steady it but you're right it's disconnecting is is the answer but the thing is when you get to a close to a burnout stage you're you're kidding yourself that you can't disconnect you're like I've just got to get this thing done I've just got to do this I've just got to do that but actually if you drop the balls it's probably going to be all right it's so true I mean we've tried to become quite good in this household of like if someone wakes up and they're grumpy and they're kind of just taking out on everyone to just sit back and be like what's really wrong today Mm. what what's what's really going on in in your brain because there's definitely always something underlying the sort of Mm. lashing out or grumpy behavior and it's sometimes just because even though lockdown is easing in some respects I still kind of feel like we're not out no we're not at all no we're not and and I think that's exactly it I think there's a confusion where you're like oh lockdown's ending so I therefore this should be easier and in fact now we've got back to having social lives and you know more doing stuff but not having recovered from the rest of it but you're so true about that what's really going on there's those kind of memes that go around but when you're being mean to people it's 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 actually probably a sign that you're struggling and then but it's really hard in yourself you know when someone goes what's wrong you're like nothing's (laughs) wrong it's like there's everything wrong but I can't even begin to um to say what it is and 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 I've I've got three children and they are you know showing up in their behavior as well and they definitely don't know what's going on for themselves but they are they are but although (laughs) I had a blazing row with my three-year-old yesterday because she wanted couscous for breakfast (laughs) <laughs> I mean you can have couscous but could you just not could we just not have to cook couscous now could you just eat porridge the same as you eat every other day <laughs> I just I have so much admiration and respect for parents over lockdown I don't know how any of you did it but like bear in mind like single parents or homeschooling yeah. your children I yeah. just my mind is actually blown how you've managed that I don't think I don't know any of my friends who aren't crawling out of it to be honest and and then again that's the hard thing is that you can't support your mates because everybody is is absolutely broken but it will yeah I hope bit by bit we will we will all um sort ourselves out I'm actually this is not what we're here to talk about I'll get onto it in a minute but I'm going to the Lake District at the weekend with my best girlfriends and I can't wait and my um 
therapist gave me a bit of advice she's like why don't you on the journey up talk about all the big stuff that's going on in your lives all the big responsibilities all the things you're wrangling and then really try to leave them in the car because otherwise in the moment when you're without responsibility and you are free and you're away from work if you spend the whole time talking about it it's crept into that and I was like oh my word that is such good advice because everything can wait if you it's like you're saying put this little the wrap around it and, and it's not to ignore responsibility but just to go I'll wait I'll wait for that oh that's that's really good advice also mm. I'm very jealous the Lake District is ugh, I've never so been beautiful. I'm very excited oh you're gonna have the best time are you a hiker oh, well I, I'm not but I am I'm now I've got my I've got my gear no idea what I'm doing <laughs> for, for context Immy and I train at the same gym so like I, I know that I'm fit but it's you a different. Are. But it's a different. It's a very different thing. It's not go go hard, go home. It's it's it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow and steady. Take your time. Take lots of snacks. Take lots of water. Yes. You're gonna you're gonna be fine. It's gonna be good. Oh, I just cannot wait for my brain just to see something completely different, like that visual stimulation that isn't Peckham. <laughs> oh yeah, your brain like your brain loves novelty. So that's why I think it's been so difficult for people over the last year, just seeing the same thing same people all being alone so when you do get to see something different your brain is like sparks loving this oh my oh. god this is the best thing ever bring it bring it to me anyway this is none of what i'm here to talk to you about i'm actually here to talk to you well you're quite difficult because you're kind of you're very single-minded in what you're doing but it encapsulates quite a lot but i guess tell me a, like a bit about your story and and the the i was going to say the niche or the area that you've carved out for yourself on the internet and how that came about well, it completely came about by accident. A couple of years ago, not actually not a couple, maybe seven years ago now, I, um, I studied abroad and I just got really into wanting to learn how to video, like f film things and photography and stuff like that. And I was really jealous of all these people in the London vegan community, like on YouTube, making cool videos. So I thought, Do you know, what? I'm going to spend a week just trying to learn how to video edit and put together. So I filmed on my iPhone 3. It was terrible, terrible quality, but I just wanted to see what I could create and see if there was something there. I completely started as a hobby. I would never intended this to be my full-time job or mm -hmm. anything like that. And I never thought it could be either, especially seven years ago. And I was working for a social impact charity. So I'd get up at like five in the morning, create videos, then I'd go to work all day. And then I'd come home and be like, I've got to get back on social media, see what people are saying about veganism and vegan food and all this kind of stuff and this was at the time when vegans were still a bit weird no good necessarily vegan options but also it felt a little bit cult-like in a good way before mm. it got in a bad way <laughs> um but then i think as i moved through that process of growing as a sort of vegan content creator mm -hmm. i started to see how sustainability and veganism were sort of intersecting and then I think I became more interested in talking about sustainability because I didn't want vegan to be my identity. Mm -hmm. I wanted it just to be the way that I live my life. But then looking at sustainability and climate change, and that's, I think, not necessarily a more important question or, or topic, but much more relevant to every single person because yeah. where we live, our environment, our homes, the actual you know water and land environment, is changing every single day and I just suddenly became really aware of its importance. 
It's amazing. So when you, so you were a vegan, how long have you been a vegan for? Gosh, it's got to be like eight years now. So a long how, time. how old were you when you converted, I was going to say converted, that's a strong word, you know what I mean? <laughs> Moved to converted. vegan. <laughs> well, to be honest, it is kind of a conversion. Yeah. Um, I think, how old? I must have been 21. I mean, I studied at the University of Sussex, so <laughs> that kind of explains a lot of how I got into that. Everything I need to know. My sister went to <laughs> my sister went to Sussex, and I know everything. Oh. And she's a, she's a is she actually vegan? Anyway, she's been vegan, not been vegan, and yeah. It, do you know what? It, it's it's no mean feat to be a vegan. It really, really isn't. Like for, before we get into the ins and outs of it, it, it is a huge. It's a huge commitment, and this is a very weird comparison I'm going to make, but I don't drink. And it is. It does take something to go into every social situation and go. I'm, I've got to do things in a slightly unconventional way in every situation, and that, and and to to continually affirm to yourself that that's the choice you want to make. And people are really well. I don't know, but I imagine people are quite quick to poke at you about it. Or have they got over that now? Oh, they've got over it now. But in the beginning, my mum thought I was going to die from malnutrition, like all of these things. People would say, where do you get your protein from? You know, all those really sort of meme things that people say about vegans. But now because it's become so mainstream and most of my friends are vegetarian now that it's it just it's just not a thing. I mean, sometimes my mum will still say oh I just wish I wish you'd eat some eggs or I wish you'd eat some chicken and I'm like I'm too far gone for that mum yeah I'm too, I'm too far gone to be honest your body would probably really not like it, would oh, it? I think I would probably wouldn't even taste nice I think yeah. it would it would be all the extremes of tasting something for the first time like if you haven't eaten sugar for example for ages and then you eat a yeah. very very normal like a Mars bar or something I, um, I imagine it's yeah. just going to be extreme an explosion of, <laughs> but too much. Did you have to, are you conscious of trying to get the balance right of, of how to fuel your body or, or is it implicit to you now? Oh no, I'm so, I've been the laziest cook for a really long time and that was not, I don't think you can be lazy when it comes to veganism mm-hmm. and especially trying to do CrossFit. Yeah. I was just like, why aren't I getting stronger? Why am I so like weedy and, and thin? And then I realized I did actually have to prioritize, you know, getting a lot of variety, getting a diversity of protein sources and vegetables and fats. And in the vegan movement, there have been so many ridiculous sort of um, ways of eating So people would eat like high carb, low fat, or they'd eat, but when I say low fat, I mean, I think dangerously low. So your food's never really that satisfying Mm. and it's just not a good thing. So now I've tried to be really good with doing a lot of research and taking a lot of time eating my nuts, my seeds, you know, legumes, all of that kind of stuff. I take it much more seriously now. Yeah, because this is, I guess this is, this is why it's quite a complicated issue because I think when it becomes trendy, it, it can veer into like some disordered eating actually dressed up as something else and it's like if you've got to really know why you're doing it and 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 go about it in a, in a very committed way it's kind of yeah if you if you half went into it you 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 would end up pretty hungry or yeah not getting all the nutrients you need I think yeah no no I and I definitely agree and that's why I think vegans shouldn't um you know disown people or think of negatively if 
if actually coming to a vegan diet makes you triggered or makes you restrict in a way that's not good for mm. your past eating habits. And I think it's really important that everyone has their own process, their own journey. And if they can't be vegan for that reason, we should accept that. Yeah. And it shouldn't be this, um, you're a good or you're a bad person, because it's just not, life is a complete spectrum and you're not ethical or unethical. It's just, I mean, especially I think one thing that's left out, not necessarily now, a lot of really great creators talk about it now, but you know, there is a massive human impact in agriculture and things like that. And I think some vegans do tend to forget about the importance of, you know, human rights. Are our mm. vegetables picked ethically? It's not just an animal rights issue. It's not just an environmental issue. It's also a human rights issue. That's so true. It's very, yeah, and you could ease, the thing is you can easily put your fingers in your ears, can't you? And, and you know, make your own rules. But as you say, this is all about a much bigger picture and, and you know, I don't know, it's not really relevant, but my kind of thing is we are, we eat vegetarian 99% of the time, but we're not vegetarian. So yeah, that's where we're at because that feels like a manageable place in our life and also raising kids and etc. And and actually I've written a book called But Why, which was um, answering tricky questions from kids. And one of them was about the, why, but why are humans ruining the planet? And actually in the research to that, I spoke to a lot of environmentalists and then I felt it was really important to acknowledge a lot of people messaged me saying, you know, we're surviving at the moment. We are surviving and I, I care about the environment, but at the moment, uh, yeah, I'm trying to literally feed myself. And, and I was like, I think it's really important to, yeah, accept people because you can't go, you know, you're a bad person because of this. It's it's a whole bigger picture, isn't it? Oh, and mass massively, isn't it? Especially when you think about all the kids who weren't at school and who rely on free school meals. Like, you, if they have to rely on charities like Chefs in Schools, for example, you know, why should they have to make that choice when they're literally desperate for that meal? Because that's yeah. one of the only meals that they get during the day. Like, there, it is such a much more nuanced picture. And I will admit, when I first went vegan, I didn't know any of the nuance. And I, mm. I was young and stupid and, and ignorant to all of these things. But as you sort of do a lot more, you know, knowledge gathering and mm. things like that, it suddenly becomes this much bigger picture and you realise actually we don't need 100% of the planet to go vegan we need people to do their best and then we need the companies that are responsible for 71% of you know global emissions to take responsibility and actually make it easier for people to live sustainably and to live a more vegan diet or, or whatever yeah I couldn't agree more and also the all or nothing just is 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 just just doesn't do anything for anyone does it it's like yeah we've all What's the Maya Angelou, Angelou quote of like, do the best until you know better and then do better. I've, I've absolutely butchered that. But <laughs> you, you've, you, you know, you, ke you keep learning and you keep, I think it's just the first step is to be conscious and I was rooting through all your videos and like so much of what you're talking about doesn't need to be these things that feel really alien and, and like unachievable. For example, I mean, I I and love a, a menstrual cup and a period pants, and it's like once okay. you use them, you're just like, oh my word, why is this just not? You know, I feel I've got one daughter. I feel so glad for her that she's gonna never have to get into a world of tampons or sanitary towels. I mean, amazing, right? I know. I mean, honestly, I wish when I first got my period that period underwear was a thing. It's 
it would have saved me from so oh, many all of us. painful, horrendous, humiliating incidents. Oh. It, it is so weird because I remember when I had friends who were earlier adopters on a moon cup, on a menstrual cup, and I was just like, no way, no way. <laughs> and then when you do it, it's just like, oh, I mean, why wouldn't you do this? Because, uh, yeah, it's it's like not weird at all very quickly is um yeah is where my head's at and i'm sure you feel the same if that's where your your habits are oh yeah at first i was like how the hell am i supposed to get this up there yeah. like that that's not happening but after it took me i think a few months to get used to it but then i was i just thought this is a a game changer i can go for a 10 hour hike yeah. and only have to change it in the morning and then in the evening and actually if people are thinking about getting one there's a really great website called put a cup in it mm. yeah they've got a great survey because obviously people's like um canals are going to be shorter or longer and that's important so that you don't get one that's that's right for you or that you don't not get mm. one that you get one that is right for your body (laughs) yeah and it is a bit it is a bit of trial and error but i mean it's a whole different chat but i also think it's really important as a woman to be exposed to that and understand what your body's doing like it's you're so disconnected when in, in other ways and then particularly if you do go on to have children and like the amount you believe post labor, which is, is can be very shocking, but it's like, it's really good if you've got a bit more of an understanding of, of the, yeah, of the whole thing, to be honest with you. Oh yeah. I mean, at school, I think we had maybe a handful of sex education classes by a man and nothing was spoken about, um, uh, periods, nothing was spoken about, um, if your period changes or anything like that, and that can be really dangerous. Yeah, of course. And it's like these tools are, are absolutely vital. Anyway, yeah, I feel very passionately about periods, as, as it appears <laughs> you do. Um, but what other kind of like easy, not easy wins, because that's not the right language, because I want it to be conscious efforts, but where, like, when you think about people starting on this journey, either veganism, but actually environmentalism, where, where does where would you point them? Honestly, the the best changes are the most boring ones. Like, um, for example, thinking about your pension and thinking about your banks, because our pension, I think, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so boring, but it makes the biggest impact as, as an individual, because in the UK alone, three trillion pounds are in pension funds, and that's invested in fossil fuels in arms and it's basically holding up those kind of industries in in the UK in particular so there's a really great uh, non-profit called make my money matter and that gives you a lot of pension advice but I wouldn't call it financial advice so obviously still see a pensions advisor if you're thinking about that but it gives you a lot of advice about how to look for an ethical pension look for a a way that your money can be invested in sustainable pensions mm-hmm. and things like that. And then on the banking side, if you change your bank, things like Monzo and Starling and those kind of internet banks, mm. they are much better than the traditional brick and mortar ones in terms of ethics. But then you do have some which are particularly good, like Triodos, you could get a savings account with them. They are one of the more ethical ones. I think they are completely 100% ethical. Um, but yeah, honestly, where your money just sits is one of the biggest and it's so easy to change it's absolutely blowing my mind i mean that is not the answer that i expected you to give but that yeah yeah exactly it's like this is like right in the center of our lives right 
Well, this this is 29 year old Imi's answer. If you asked me when I was 22, it would have been a very different, different answer. But I, I like to say this because it's one of it's just so simple and it's it's one thing you can do once and then you don't have to think about. But it makes an enormous impact, whereas there are a lot of other things that we do as individuals that actually we have to keep repeating every single day, which, which is great, but it also requires more effort. And some people, you know, like you, you've got a full time job, you've got three children, you want to go to the gym, you have friends, you know, not everyone yeah. always has time to do all of these, all of these extra things. I mean, no. <sighs> no. No. <laughs> but, it's a lot. but it's not through what lack of wanting to. And that's well, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and also just, it, it's kind of, yeah I think it's being realistic it's like it's the same with any kind of conscious living I suppose small changes although this is a big one but like achievable things rather than Mm. thinking this is so big that I I can never manage it what else have you got up your sleeve apart from apart from your banking (laughs) well on on more sort of you know everyday things I'm always always suggesting you know thrift your clothes or use amazing sites like Depop and Vinted and eBay to buy all of these you know secondhand clothes that are to be honest in pretty pretty good condition I haven't bought anything from these sites that hasn't been like really really good Mm -hmm. you also have the sort of small um I don't know what you call them. They're not retailers where you'd hire, you can hire, you know, outfits for the day. But mm-hmm. if you go for a smaller company, there's one based in London called Her, I think, yeah. H-U-R-R, then the way that they wash the clothes and send them out is going to be much more carbon neutral and eco-friendly than, I think Rent the Runway is probably, um, it's got to the point where it's so big now mm-hmm. that you don't know if it's just sort of cost effective or environmentally friendly. Um, but easy things like, you know, try and buy produce that was grown in the UK and in season or try and support a local bakery or try and support a local shop, trying to support, um, you know, black owned businesses, trying to support companies that are small and near you, try and get involved in community projects, mm. community gardens, growing your own food, even if it's just one herb pot on your windowsill. Ew, there are no. loads of really small things that are so satisfying and and you know can help you reduce some of your some of your waste composting is great if you have the space so many good things so a couple of things on what you just said i once went to um oxfam sorting one of their sorting offices in milton Keynes, which was an amazing day out and they were like (laughs) people misunderstand they think they edit what they give to charity shops. This is definitely Oxfam anyhow. They want everything. So even the stuff that's got stains on it, they then will tear it down and it will become stuffing for sofas. Like, yeah, that not every, they, they welcome everything pretty much. So it's like, oh, I really, really didn't understand that. Like, I didn't know that you'd want my, yeah, my T-shirt, my white T-shirt that's now grey. So they really can use everything. And yeah, her are brilliant. They're now in Selfridges as well. I think I think it's really great, isn't it? It's so obvious now it's here. You're like, oh yeah, why haven't we had this forever? But they've got amazing clothes on there. Oh, especially if you want to wear something once, which a lot of people, yeah. yeah. If you want to wear something once, then what is the point in buying it? Because you're just going to spend so much money to wear it once and then it's going to sit in your in your closet because yeah. you'll love it. So you won't want to get rid of it, but then you're not going to wear it. Just doesn't. Yeah. Renting just renting and borrowing from friends is yeah. just it's such good things. And and also, I think like passing stuff on, it's really interesting to me. So when you've got kids, you I think nothing of like plonking a, a whole bag of clothes 
which you're acting like it's being generous, but you're actually just relieving your own conscience. You're like, here's, here's all these clothes. But we, yeah, I think we need to like pass things on to one another a bit more. There used to be that more of a trend, wasn't it? Where you can't bring clothes along and then you can swap and things. I mean, obviously we haven't done anything fun like that for a while, but they're, they're, it's so good, isn't it? Like... It's Some... yeah, it's so true. I mean, my mum, honestly, she'll be like, oh, I don't really like this shirt anymore. It's a bit small for me. And I'll be like, this is one of the most beautiful shirts ever. Why would you get rid of this? I will take it off your hands. No. And she's like, oh, great. I don't have to get rid of it now. And I'm like, yes, I have a new item in my wardrobe. This is so great. Brilliant. I, lo- I love it. And actually, on that tip, going back to my Lake District um, trip this weekend, I realised I hadn't got the right kind of coat because it's going to be warm, but I needed a raincoat. And I was like, my instinct was to hit Peckham High Street and buy quickly. And then I was just like, oh, no, I've got loads of mates at the gym who are, yeah, will be into this stuff too. And just, and I was like, momentarily a bit embarrassed. I was like, no, this is absolutely stupid. Borrow the raincoat. You know, I don't need it. I don't need it and if I find out that hiking is my new thing then we'll we'll think about getting the kit but it's like it's so easy to now especially in the in the Amazon time to to think that oh the first thing I do is I'll buy it before it's even registered in my brain yeah it's so true I mean the gym is a great place because Charlotte from the gym she lent me a jumpsuit that I wore to an event once and then I, I was just like so good having people that are a similar size or a similar height to you and you're like, guys, I need some help. Send me pictures of all your best best gear and I will take it from you. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, but that should just be um, like a real a real habit. Because when I was at uni, I just used to share, we all used to share each other's wardrobes and there's no reason that you can't can't do that more. So I'm, that's going to be something I'm definitely going to try and take some fragile clothes off my mates. I'll try and offer them some things in return. Um, what else was I going to say? I was As you were talking, you're saying, you know, about buying things locally. I do hope, that one of the positive outcomes of this pandemic is that we are all more like connected with our local community than perhaps well I'm only speaking for myself and from other people I've spoken to but in a way that I hadn't been before I never spent so much time within a certain radius of my house before and and I think and you know a time when you could only get things that were really close by you know I bought art supplies for my kids from an art shop in Dulwich and they cycled them over and things like that um I think, I hope this will be a good outcome. And as depressed as I am that we can't travel, I mean, the planet is going to be grateful, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it really is. I think there are the things that need to change the most are things like business trips. Lots of companies have shown that, you know, conferences are perfectly, you know, well to happen just by Zoom link or business meetings can happen just again as you said like by zoom link there are and also to be honest i think it's something like the top three percent of the world are the ones who create the most emissions from flying but then you know i don't want to say to people who work you know 50 weeks of the year or 48 weeks of the year and and don't earn enough money to get the train or that they don't have that time luxury they can't go to europe or something so it's quite a yeah. It's quite a tricky way to get that. I mean, I, my biggest impact is that my boyfriend lives in the US. So we are like, we need to change that so that those flights no longer happen. So that's an easy thing for me. But and then again, you have other people who, like I've got loads of Australian friends that live in London, but obviously their families are in Australia. Yeah. It's such a hard way to keep that, the, the world sort of, you know, multicultural and, mm-hmm. and people living in different cities. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough one. It really is a tough one. And now a little advert for my book, 
but why how to answer tricky questions and kids by having an honest conversation with yourself and one of the questions i answer but why are humans ruining the planet oh i mean instinctively actually with this i feel like my kids are a bit more informed than i am on environmentalism but that isn't entirely true when answering this question i wanted to come to them with some facts i wanted to talk about the seriousness of um living consciously but not do it in a way that would scare them and I spoke to a lot of experts in the field and yeah have come back with an answer that I hope is really useful for you to start those conversations but also think about how you as a family want to behave in terms of your environmental footprint. The book But Why is available to pre-order now both as an audio book or as an ordinary book from wherever you get your books from you can find the link in the show notes now back onwards with the episode i think again it's just like being conscious isn't it like um before in life pre-pandemic 2019 we went to the south of france and we got the train there um it's not like a massive heroic thing it was it was it was momentarily quite stressful in places but as is, <laughs> as is always traveling with three kids but also yeah. it, it didn't work out any more expensive it's a bit of an adventure and it's just like oh for that summer we know that as it happened it's going to be for the next two summers as well there was there was no flying and I think but I think all of us well maybe not but well getting on a plane feels more alien than than it ever has done now you know the thought of hopping on a plane here and there I think you you would think twice and would think about different ways to do it but i i think it, i think it will it will shift and a bit i'm not hugely like paranoid about covid i've had it twice in my house and i've been double vaccinated but suddenly even the thought of being in a in that space with loads of people feels quite weird doesn't it oh it it feels incredibly weird i mean i hadn't even been on a plane i think until i was about maybe 16 and then from there, I went on a plane maybe once a year. Yeah. And then now being able to be in one place for so long, I gen- I just have absolutely no desire to get on a plane anytime soon. Yeah, I just, I just, I think, think it's it because would... now that it's summer here, yeah. you're suddenly like, oh, look how beautiful the UK is. It's so wonderful. Why would I bother? Why would I bother? But what about, I mean... but what about your boyfriend? So he's in America. Have you seen him in the last year? I saw him for two months last summer, but I haven't seen him since September. Oh my and word. That, yeah, that's been quite long. And when will you see him again? Well, because he's been double vaccinated, because the US have actually been quite good at vaccinating people. Have they? Yeah. They're, they're technically allowed to come here now, but because lockdown was quite strict before I just thought it was irresponsible for him to come then but now that things are opening I think we're looking into him coming here I mean hats off to you that is that is I mean how long in normal life how often were you seeing each other probably every six six weeks or so like it wasn't that long no but now yeah it's really been quite a long time I mean I want to know loads about that do you just have to accept trying that you're just getting on with your lives a bit because it's that's really difficult yeah well, to be honest in some ways it is good and in some ways obviously in a lot of ways it's obviously bad but it's because we met at university right it, it gave us the opportunity to really find the sort of directions in life we wanted to do mm-hmm. to grow as people to get the jobs that we wanted to do and yeah. like get settled 
and now but and also because my job is so flexible I can go there for like three months or like mm. for two months or whatever so it hasn't been terrible but yeah now we've got to the point where we're like right let's file visa papers let's yeah do it let's move because the pandemic nine months is too long yeah. to not see someone yeah well yeah if, if, you're, if it's your boyfriend it'd be nice to see him more than once a year <laughs> wouldn't it but, but you know what, this is what, again, what the, like, the circle kind of back to where we've begun. These are the bits of the pandemic that I think, going back to this growth, I think for a lot of people, it, it's accelerated things. Sometimes it's accelerated them towards things that might not feel very nice. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of career changes, relationship breakdowns, like startups. And it's like, it's, it's, these moments are really, really uncomfortable. And it's going to, there'll be some continuing uncomfortable moments, but it will, it will be good. I do, I do think that my friend asked me yesterday, if you could go back to February 2020, and carry on just as life has, as you know, an anomalous life, or to live through this and how you've grown, which would you do? Which would you do? Well, I'm sitting here coming from a very privileged position of having, you know, a secure job and a roof yeah. over my head and having my family around me. So to be honest, it's helped me grow in a lot of ways. But that is, again, because yeah, I have privilege. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's true. It's a massive privilege. And, you know, it's easier to say now when I've not got my kids at home in lockdown. But it is quite fascinating, isn't it? It's like this really, really, really intense period of change yeah and now i mean would i want to live through it i don't know but it's kind of it's kind of good to try and reframe some of it as, as yeah aside from all the tragedy that maybe there will be something to take from it i hope we've got to otherwise otherwise you'd just be depressed well i'm, I'm hoping things like uh companies and and government will will change like i'm really hoping big like social social change will happen in terms of the government pouring more money into social care and you know care for the elderly and care for single parents and care mm. for um people who are disabled like there are so many holes i think that have come out of where a lot of people in society aren't taken care of properly but i think that would be one of the best changes that mm. we could see and also obviously in a grander scheme of like climate change it'd be so good to see countries now be like oh okay so actually you know the rainforest is actually quite important you know maybe we shouldn't build any more pipelines i think it that would be on a bigger scale one of the best things to come out of lockdown seeing all this tragedy and being like okay where do we go from here something's going to change that's it isn't it it's been very exposing it's been very exposing for on an individual level you know for myself and in my own habits of want of how i tick and when that's when that's taken away from me how i react and there's something really interesting in that duality of like i've never been more connected to my local community but also more aware of how we exist as a whole global community because as this virus traveled and as we're you know all travel restrictions is like we do all exist it yeah connected to one another don't we yeah and even just seeing like the vaccine rollout and how obviously you know richer countries like the us and the uk were able to do that or, or countries that had a lot of government pressure to roll things out really quickly, how, how we're in a privileged position because now we are suddenly allowed to sort of travel and, and we're we're going to be much safer. And then it, that's been very revealing, I think. Mm. And, and all, one of the biggest things as well is it's actually quite horrifying to think about how many people became billionaires over 
lockdown while people were, you know, dying. It's, it's one of those things where you're like, why do billionaires even exist? And why, why have they become more billionaires throughout the time when it's been hardest for most people? It's, it's kind of unreal, isn't it? It is unreal. And again, this is it. This is the, all the big, this is the stuff that's hard to compute. Like this is why we're burnt out throughout the whole, the lived yeah. experience, but also just like, what? The world is absolutely mad. I do more than ever feel like things are absolutely mad. And I hope that they, they level out. I mean, I've got to, I'm aware of the times. So I've got to like edge towards the end, having covered all sorts of very different things in a very random manner. So importantly, where can people find you? Yeah, where can people find you? And is there anything particular you want to shout about? Um, I guess people could find me on Instagram, but I'm I'm most I most like to share that I create you know videos on on YouTube mm-hmm. about simple things like how to change your bank and and your pension, all the boring stuff that makes a big difference. But then also down to like everyday swaps that you can make and and how to support your local businesses and that kind of stuff. Um, but to be honest. What I've realized over the last year is that I'm very content with what I'm doing and I don't feel like I need to have any more ambitions to work harder at more than I already am. So I have nothing to shout about apart from I like to create videos that help you be more sustainable <laughs> if that's what you want to do. That, that's, a, that's a very nice um, yeah, thing to have, not nice, that's a really lame word, but like a, a really valuable thing to have learned, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do work hard and I have managed to create a job out of nothing, especially when I was working two jobs just to get to a stage where I could work just as a social media sort of content creator. And now I've reached a point where I'm like, I don't want to be a slave to the apps because Mm. that's what a bunch of white men in Silicon Valley want me to do so that they can earn loads and loads of money. I want to create something that helps other people that you know shares a little bit of my life that I can sustain myself but then also on the weekends go and do my own thing yeah grow my grow my vegetable garden go to the gym see my friends doesn't it yeah it's, it's very true it's really good to try and keep boundaries on that because otherwise you're forever chasing more more and more projects more and more something and it and never getting the gratification because it doesn't exist God, quite heavy ending. Um, two two questions to tie it back to the theme of the podcast. So this was all inspired my my obsession, love of honesty, and it's a trait that I really look for in other people. What is your best trait, and what do you most admire in other people? My best trait. Wow, well, you're very you're asking me to be very un-British here. I know. Everyone goes. Ugh. Um, I to be honest, I think that I'm I'm very good at realizing when I there's a knowledge gap that I have or I've done something wrong I'm I'm always willing to take accountability and to learn from that experience and and try and change either the things that I say or the language that I use or the way I see something if it's not as nuanced as it could be um what was the second part of your question what do you most admire in other people what do I most admire in other people hmm I think I, I don't know. I think kindness. I think over the last year, I've really noticed some really selfless acts by a lot of people helping their community, helping, especially around um, where my parents live. 
a lot of the people who live there are like 20 years older than them and they did a lot of ferrying people to and from doctor's appointments getting their shopping for them and it just it always makes me think like oh humanity there is yeah. there is a lot of hope because people there are so many people who are genuinely lovely and kind and I think kindness yeah. is underrated and and often overlooked and I think um most, I, I really believe that most people are good and most people, well, no one is purely good, but yeah, most people have the capacity to be kind, yeah, given the opportunity. So yeah, that's a, a good one. And my last one is that this podcast is all about my love of a big chat and I always like <laughs> try and picture my favourite situation with my favourite friends or, or people in my life and, you know, yeah, for you, if you could have a big chat anywhere... Where would it be? Who would it be with? What would you be eating and drinking? What kind of time of day would it be? Where's your ideal chat situation? I think it would be in a really big pub garden with my school friends because they are just wonderful people. And I'm very, very, very lucky to still like call them my best friends. I mean, they've been my friends since I was like 11 years old. Aww. So, so nice. Um, somewhere big like the Duke of Edinburgh and Brixton or something or just drinking you know maybe a gin and tonic to start off with maybe maybe a glass of wine and just chatting about because they all do really interesting jobs so we all end up talking about what they do but then how that sort of filters into their everyday life and and stuff like that so yeah that would be my ideal uh, on a what Saturday probably I'm worried about you 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 can go to work whenever you like but yeah (laughs) Yeah, a Saturday. Yeah, probably, definitely yeah. a Saturday. Don't do, on a, don't do it on a Sunday. I'm worried about it. I'm worried about everyone getting up for. Work. Oh my <laughs> word! That is like peak mum. This is the 39 year old talking. It's like worried about the responsibility. You can do it whenever you like. You can do it. You can do it in a weekday afternoon if you like. But that sounds oh, no. very nice. Packet of crisps. Yeah, you can eat crisps. Surely crisps. <laughs> <laughs> there are vegan crisps don't yeah. worry yeah vegan crisps maybe um maybe a sharing platter you know hummus pita yeah. bread olives those kind of things now we're talking in a in a pre-covid world where sharing food was just your norm that would be um oh it's a nice way to spend an afternoon isn't it well done good choice well that is like kind of in a very wiggly way winds me towards the end to say thank you very much for talking about all sorts of things in a in a roundabout way i've really really enjoyed it oh no thank you so much for having me it's uh, an honor to be asked next up i talked to camilla who is the founder of rude health Exactly a week ago, Camilla and I had exactly this conversation. We're about to do a rerun because something with the tech went wrong and basically I don't think you can hear me. So we're in this kind of strange place where we're going to act like this is the first time we've spoken, but we have actually been through this once before. But we're confident that it's going to end up a better conversation, aren't we? Yeah, we think it's going to be really slick with none of the ums and ers. <laughs> I mean, unlikely. I know about how I, I, I muddle through the rest of my life. I always hope that one day soon I will become like a really slick version of myself, but it's probably oh, not going to happen. But didn't, I mean, this is what I, last year, when suddenly we actually all had time, you know, when we got locked down, that all those things that I'd promised myself I might do if I had time. It was really clear which ones I'm actually ever going to do and which ones I might as well just forget about forever. It's so true. You can literally cross some of those off. Yeah, not going to happen. No, and you know, you just have to accept it. 
Yeah. You know, it's on a sliding scale. I'm not the least slick, but oh, actually, maybe I am one of the least slick people you could ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> but different. But maybe you're just not a prep person. Like some people do a lot of prep, but if you can do like 80% of it, 80% of the presentation with, with 10% of the prep, you're winning. The thing is, I do prep, you also can definitely over-prep. When yeah. I first started podcasting, I used to be really, really stuck on trying to stick to my script, and that isn't right either. Like, the, the, the best podcasters are really adept at making it sound like it's, a, it's just a flowing conversation, but they're... Yeah, they're no, actually covering... Yeah, so we're only learning. Anyway, we're not here to talk about me and my lack of <laughs> slickness. We're here to talk about your amazing company, which, as you know from last conversation, but so the viewers know, I am viewers, listeners. I am an unbelievably big fan of, like, almost fangirl. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I can't remember the first time I had. Well, I can. It was when in my advertising days, and I used to go to Sound Studios, which is ironic given that now we're doing this. And you used to be able to order whatever breakfast you like, and you could order very posh muesli, and it was your muesli. Oh, it's such a nice story. I like that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and then when I got older, I could afford to buy it for myself. <laughs> well, obviously that that should be our routine. We'll sponsor all the Sound Studios to feed to feed the young yeah, young types. Yeah. <laughs> who one day might earn enough money to buy a nice um, music. Anyway, tell me how Rude Health began. We began, it was myself, my husband and our neighbours um, at our kitchen table. And we had the very simple uh, goal of creating uh, the world's best muesli, which he said we've got to make the ultimate muesli, the ultimate muesli. So uh, we did it and then we called it the ultimate muesli. Um, <laughs> Ta-da! Uh, and... It was ultimate because it had, it was a combination of the number of ingredients. Basically, we felt the reason we did it, because it sounds a bit random, was because we felt that there was a bit of a divide between healthy food and tasty food, and that actually you ought to be able to eat healthily and enjoy it. In fact, it's really important that you eat healthily and enjoy it. Otherwise, you're constantly fighting yourself. Yeah, what's the point? So it was partly that it has loads of ingredients, like 24 ingredients instead of 6 or 12, and partly that they were interesting and they were good quality. So, you know, everything from, you know, we had about four different types, types of nuts in there, loads of fruit, loads of seeds, loads of grains. So it was actually an interesting mouthful and nice and soft. It's all about the, um, the grains, getting the grains nice and soft so you're not, you know, you don't start chewing at breakfast and still chewing at lunchtime kind of thing. And had you been big muesli eaters beforehand? Yeah, well, I'm, 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 yes, we had. I mean, I'm a big breakfast person. I love food. I love food. I mean, my highlight of my day is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I, and I do feel like really go with that saying, breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, dine like a pauper. Kick the day off right. Get it going right. And, and you're, you're on a roll. Um, so, yeah, breakfast had always been big for me. I am a personally a raisin hater. So wow. I, I do pick them out. Um, but, yes, which is partly why I mix my own. Because then I get to get it how you what I like. Yeah. I'm trying to think what the category was like back then. Like, yeah, 16 years ago, it was very boring. There wasn't very much going on. Actually, it's changed a lot. If you did a before and after shot, the everything was in sort of cellophane bags or brown boxes. There was very little, very few brands, and they were very, very dull. You could have a nutty one, which you could have a kind of raisiny one or another raisiny one and that was about it and the whole category like even the broader category in that I'm wondering now is like 
I'm trying to think 15 years ago we're what was like there was very much very dark culture and very yeah. like healthy men cottage cheese and rice not even rice I'm well, trying no, to think. exactly what you said it was diet culture healthy meant cutting out food calories you know it meant eating trying not to eat very much it was really there was a though and in terms of cereals there was a there was an absolute split if you think that there were two traditional cereals one which was all about gut health that was like health that's so it was gut health and it was brown everything was very brown and then there was the other one uh, which had a very big campaign which was all about looking good in red swimsuits and it was a complete divide you either you were either interested in your your gut or you were interested in in how you looked and yeah it was a very and the cereals category was very much those ready to eat cereals uh, granola hadn't even happened then no and porridge was was very dull you know there were all the fun flavors and instant and stuff hadn't hadn't happened it's it's really fascinating isn't it and also just the for me when i think of that time of, of diet culture it's like it, it's something quite miserable i'm doing this because yeah. it, because it because I ought to do this. It's Absolutely. not really for how a how it makes you feel. It was how it made you look, yeah. and and also yeah, it's not, denial. Yeah. It's self denial, isn't it? It's not. There's no kind of self love in that, really. I think you know. There's no embracing who you are. There's no enjoyment in the food. It's it's a really. Um, I don't think it's a desirable way to live. As you say, it's about shoulds and oughts and how you should be seen and how you should look. And you know, it's not. It's not really living in rude health, which was where we wanted to sort of move towards, was this idea that you can enjoy it, you should enjoy it, actually, should. That's the only should, is that you should enjoy it. Apart from that, it's kind of up to you, what what you like to eat, what suits you. And there's no right and wrong. I hate this idea that, you know, oh, you shouldn't eat this, shouldn't eat that. But do, but maybe don't eat the thing that's completely unnecessary all day, every day. Or be conscious of it, I think. And yeah, I think so, yeah. And enjoy it. When you have it, really enjoy it. Like, you know, if you're going to you know, have that packet of crisps, have that cake, have that bar of chocolate, but appreciate it. And, you know, maybe don't have it for breakfast or as your main meal, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to, but be considerate. Yeah. And that, but I think that consciousness is actually, is a good link into like the, the rest of the where this sits. Because the, my earlier conversation with Imi was about um, sustainability. Yeah. What, what was, like... Where were we at with environmentalism and sustainability when you launched? It was there, but it wasn't a big thing. We, we were uh, really keen, but rather naive. Um, so we did a number of things that didn't, didn't work at all, actually. Um, but we did try. So you know how cereal boxes, you get the box and you get the bag inside. So way back when, in 2006, we removed, we thought, well, it'd be good if you could manage without the box. You couldn't, can't manage without the bag because you need to seal the cereal and keep it fresh. So we slightly changed the shape and took the box away, um, which was a lovely idea. Uh, but unfortunately, that means that um, they fall over, they look terrible. And once you've opened them with the, the scissors and they fall over, you then get your cereal all over the table. So that was a complete failure. Uh, we also tried to replace the bag with a biodegradable you know, bag film. Um, which again, fabulous in principle, really great idea. But unfortunately, the material wasn't quite up to it. And you you heat seal, you know, the top. Once you filled it, you heat seal the top and the bottom so that the usually granola porridge stays inside. Unfortunately, with this particular biodegradable material, it didn't seal very well. So what would happen is you'd pick up the bag and everything would fall out the bottom. So again, you know, we. We, right from the beginning, it was sort of baked into what we were trying to do. Um, some of our earlier efforts, particularly at packaging, didn't work. But things like buying organic um, and 
trying to get ingredients where they grow best, which it's not a very sexy sounding phrase, but actually really important. So for the big one for us is probably almonds. Uh, we get the almonds for our almond drink from Sicily. Always have done, right from 2013 when we started making it. Almonds grow, have grown in Sicily forever. Um, and that's where they grow best. And they're really delicious because the, the whole the condition, the environmental conditions for them there are exactly right. So they're really tasty almonds. Yes, they're more expensive. Um, but, you know, the taste was important and the environment was important. And Californian almonds aren't doing a great thing, favor to the world. So, you know, some areas we, we did get right. We did focus on getting environmentally sustainable ingredients. The packaging is the hardest bit. I mean, honestly, it's still impossible. We're getting better. The, the new drinks packs are now 88% um, renewable resources, and they are 100% recyclable. But, I mean, it's taken a long time, and there's still room to, keep to do going. better. Yeah. So there's a couple of things there. First of all, uh, the idea of your, of your failures, because I think it's very easy for anyone looking at a business where you are now to, to see all the success story. But... It must be very difficult, you know, in product development to get packaging out the door isn't a quick thing. That would have been something you've been working on for months and then for it to go out and then realise you got it wrong it must be very tricky. It's really depressing, yeah, especially when you're really trying to do the right thing and then you have to go back to doing something which, you know, you know isn't really what you want to do. But And I think that's where the whole industry is, actually. I mean, everybody in food, I'm sure, would love to be using, you know, 100% recycled, recyclable, whatever, packaging or, or less packaging. But in so many cases, it's not possible. And there's some really boring examples. Like when you... Um, you know, send food to you know, a supermarket or a store. Obviously, it's in a box, and then the box is in a case. And even the case sizes are often fixed. So, you know, we would want to put lots and lots and lots in a case because then you're using fewer cases, you know, put less cardboard or whatever. I mean, yes, it's all recyclable. But because of shelf depths, they're fixed. Sometimes we can only put four, five in one case. But it's not, you know, it's no one, no one seems to be able to change it. These things are, are, are yeah. How do you change it? And there's, there's so many moving parts in that. And the other thing I wanted to pick up on is you mentioned last week about how, yeah, we talk a lot about a go-to now is for locally sourced ingredients. But actually, yeah. if in order to grow almonds <laughs> down the road, you'd have to yeah. go through some really bizarre processes to accelerate that, then then it isn't the right option. No, locals really, it's an obvious, I mean, it sounds great local. And, it, you know, in, in, if it's the right, I mean, we're really good on potatoes. I would totally, and apples in this country, I would, and oats. I would totally say <laughs> buy those locally. Um, but things like nuts, nut, Italy is absolutely brilliant for grains, nuts. All our rice comes from Italy. All our nuts come from Italy. They've got the world's best hazelnuts. You know, there's a reason that um, they export a lot of that nutty chocolate stuff. Uh, that's they've got a surfeit of the world's best hazelnuts, equally almonds. They, that's where it grows. They've got the climate for, for nuts and grains, lucky things. But yeah, it's sometimes just uh, accepting things as look at how, where they grow, grow naturally on the planet and and working backwards from that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, and and do it mindfully. I mean, the nice thing about that is a lot of the ingredients grow in Italy, so you can consolidate everything there, or you can make it there, and then you're only shipping it once. So actually, it's it makes as much sense to make stuff sort of in or around Italy as it does to make it here, because you've got to get it here in the end anyway. 
Can you believe it as you're talking, though, from that from that kitchen table that now that you've got these things coming from all over the world? It is mad, isn't it? It's incredible. I would I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, at the time, I I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah, you know, there there we were chopping up apples, you know, in the small hours when we got the kids to bed. You know, the babies in bed, sit down, start chopping up apples and mixing muesli in an enormous tub. <laughs> do you think Do you think it's the case that you have to go through that very very the actual chopping and all these you know it's all part of it isn't it It, well I mean for me yes I mean there are people who who set up in a much more I mean we set up with you know four thousand pounds some some ingredients some tubs and some aprons and just went out and did samplings but uh, yeah and a a back of the envelope sort of plan Um, but you know people do set out with much much bigger scale you know invest lots of money and come sort of out the door running however you want to put it um I've loved doing it this way because I've been able to sort of learn as I go and have done everything. And when every now and then you get the sense of satisfaction from, you know, what you've done. But I have to say, it is. so you were saying from your point of view, it all looks like a success. But in it, 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 it really doesn't feel like that because, every, oh God, every, you know, the amount of things that you are slow, don't happen, you can't make work, don't go the way you wanted, you know, it's, it's like anything in life, There's, it's so much work and thought and effort, and yeah. sometimes it goes nowhere, no. you know, stuff just doesn't work, doesn't happen, but then, on, do but then on the other hand, you told me about, previously, and I'd like you to repeat it, about how you got into the like, milk alternatives category, and that that was a kind of twist of fate. Yeah, all serendipity. I mean, so much of what we did was was just through doing the next step, the next step. So we'd we'd made the muesli, we'd made the porridge, we'd made the granola, and our main form of marketing, because we didn't have big spend, um, it was it was just sort of us doing what we could, was going into stores and doing tastings and samplings with people, and it, which was I mean, it's such an education and it's so much fun. Um, and the, yes. what we. Sorry, do yeah. you ever have people go, oh, no, I don't like it, in front of oh, you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. People will be very, very straight <laughs> with you. Oh, and a lot of, but being, I mean, the main thing is, in England, trying to get people to even make eye contact or engage with you. It's like, oh, it's so funny. You know, you're clearly there selling something. And, <laughs> and people kind of, like, look at the floor, look at the ceiling. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was always fun. But then, yeah, and people ask a lot of interesting questions, and you get to know so much just from the questions people ask. And looking in their baskets, one of my favourite habits, um, what people buy. Uh, but yet what was happening was when we were doing those samplings and offering people granola and muesli, and increasingly people were saying, oh, have you got anything other than milk to try that with? Um, and at the time, there was a really ropey selection of non-dairy alternatives on the shelves, which were in ugly packs full of horrible ingredients, gums, thickeners, carrageenan, calcium carbonate, and all kinds of stuff. You're like, oh, I don't want to put this on my lovely granola. And it tasted horrible. Um, so fundamentally, we did the usual thing and went, oh, I reckon we could do better than this. Um, and then my husband, who's uh, set the business up with me, uh, spent probably a year find you know looking for all of anybody who could make what we wanted them to do like with the ingredient specification that we had which was nothing that we didn't recognize nothing that you wouldn't have in your kitchen basically which in the end meant using rice instead of using gums thickeners and everything else because the rice sort of does the same job 
but obviously you know what rice is and you know whether you're okay with rice or not whereas you know who, nobody even knew what carrageenan was you know it was like could be anything um so yeah it was a yeah that that was the that was the main reason and it made complete sense because what we were making was made out of grains and nuts and stuff and actually the the dairy-free drinks are made out of you know grains and nuts mostly so it was it was it was an obvious extension but we happened to get the timing exactly right because that market has just gone absolutely bonkers hasn't it yeah it's completely changed so 2013 when we launched um it was there was mostly soya and rice uh, and the people who shopped that section tended to be there from a, sort of a need state. So allergic to milk, didn't like milk, um, or you know, for ethical reasons, didn't have milk. Um, but it wasn't somewhere you'd go, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I fancy a bit of a change from milk, because it just wasn't a... It was not a nice aisle to shop. It was ugly and not very delicious, and the ingredients were ropey. So, but we, um, that was our goal, was actually this category is miserable and clearly people are beginning to buy into it from a slightly more, you know, lifestyle interest point of view. People who can drink milk but are choosing for maybe environmental reasons not to. It's like, let's make this somewhere you'd actually like to go with a drink you'd actually like to consume and that's going to do you some good. And you just never could have anticipated. I, you know, no. for me, I got told off in a local coffee shop for saying normal milk, and it's not normal milk. It's, it, there's no such thing as normal milk anymore. It's dairy. Or, and, they, and now you're saying to me that, yeah, oat is, oat and almond are like yeah. almost neck and neck with them dairy milk now. I see, it's incredible, isn't it? And that's only eight years. I think you know, that's you... within the last two years it's become that yeah. in, in, in coffee drinking that it, you would specify. that You know, yeah. they would always ask you now. Yes, it's true. Yeah, you actually get asked now. It's that common. It's, yeah. it's, it's incredibly fast. I'm not sure there's been quite such a big shift in something so fundamental to our diets. Because milk is the best-selling thing in the supermarket. Really? Uh, you know, more people put milk in their basket. I'm not phrasing this quite right yeah. than anything else. But it's, I think it's milk and bananas. That's, I love these kind of facts. But I know, aren't they great? Yeah. But the thing is, it, it ticks a few boxes, doesn't it? There's there's health benefits, or if you're leaning into various health things, apart yeah. from just actual lactose intolerance. I mean, people, yeah. it, it can be tastier or for a different taste profile, and it can be better for the environment. And so it's like people can buy into it for all those reasons, I guess. But yeah, there's lots of reasons. I mean, what we again, top you know, top facts. Reason people are buying into dairy free. There's a lot of reasons that people go into it. As you say, there's environment and there's dietary. But the reason people stay is taste. Because um, if it doesn't taste good, it, it it's you're not going to stick with it. I mean, it's the same with anything. You know, we try and do the right thing, but if the right thing is miserable, it you don't you don't we know this, we've tried we've tried rubbish. Um try sticking to that miserable diet doesn't work. Um so it's got to taste good. Like that and that's what we've been about from the beginning. So that, you know, works for us very well is that it's all about the taste. Uh, with and, and you just got to assume you know we, we won't compromise on ingredients. We won't compromise on quality and it's got to taste good. That's the sort of trio of perfection. So it's good that those principles can take you onwards and upwards or anywhere. But they're core, you know, the, I think to go back to why you started it, you made yeah. something that you wanted yes. that tasted good. You know, of course, we can, people can go to market with great business plans to tick a box. But I always feel the businesses that 
that have the heart and soul that people get compelled towards are the ones that have come from your own need or your own thing that you spotted? Well, obviously, I'm drawn to them. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a sort of hotel I'm staying at or even a, you know, clothes brand. But I love it when somebody's... It's yeah, somebody... It's from somebody re- someone really wanted that yeah. to exist and that's why they've brought it to life. It feels like it's got more sort of personality to it. Yeah, it does. Say. It does. Um, I mean, we're going to run out of time. So I'm going to ask you kind of one big ending question. Yep. What is like the impact you want to... Well, what's the big picture going yeah. forward for the brand or for personally like what what would be the thing that you want I hate to say legacy because it sounds like I'm writing you off but you know what what would your legacy be I <laughs> love the idea of even having a legacy um I actually the same for me and the brand so it goes and it takes us right back to where we started and the reason that we started um, and what we say the purpose of rude health is now which is making the healthy choice a celebration not a sacrifice that's what I'd love to embed so we can all have a bit more celebratory time, which I think is what we all need right now. We all do. We all do. And that is, I think we're, we're in loads of ways, we, we think that health is in opposition to that. Yeah. And, and it, it really isn't. Like, it shouldn't such, be. No, there's yeah. such joy in making these choices. It shouldn't feel arduous. It really shouldn't. No. And if it does, it's probably not the one for you. And there's something else that you know you'll love like if you don't like almond drink try coconut you know if you don't like coconut try you know hell we make cashew you you hazelnut you know try something else try whatever you know whatever floats your boat make it a celebration there's such there's such truth in that my head's automatically going to movement and like exercise like yeah i was that kid who hated pe at school but now really love working out but that's because i found the thing that i love and I, i hate that people lose their way on things that are good for you just because you got one bad experience of it exactly I, ca- I hate running i cannot run but um i love to dance and i love yoga so do you yeah, yeah. i love to say i do like to dance i'm just really rubbish at it but maybe that's not the Doesn't point matter. dance like nobody's watching i know but you always think but i'm aware of what i look like oh well i think i think that is a, what a great thing to yeah what a great legacy and, and again to land this it adds up to your own personal values. I think that's so important in so much of what we do and with the, the overall sustainability and like cons- conscious consumerism. It goes wrong when you're trying to do something for the sake of doing it and it, do- it doesn't sit right in the core of your soul. If you're, if you're going about the world with your values in place, I think good things happen. And they do. And actually that happened really recently because we've, you know, we've been doing all this stuff, trying to do the right thing for all these 16 years. And then we recently just in fact just since we last spoke got certified as a b corp oh Um, congratulations which is fantastic a lot of hard work but we didn't have to change anything and that was a really sad it was like it was already there it was baked in yeah that there you go that's that's the one well congratulations and yeah i uh, I go on to say I'm very like in awe of what you achieved and also just a big fan you're very kind thank you for having me chloe and that's that. Another episode of But Why Done. And and two really great conversations. Number one, I'm in awe of Camilla and her partner for, for creating such a brilliant brand. And I love the way they've decided to do that. I love the decision-making process. I love their honesty about where things have gone wrong. And I, I really admire their ambition. It made me really want to go and start something. 
that maybe I shouldn't get distracted. I also really enjoyed my conversation with Imi. As we touched on, Imi's someone that I have been in classes with at the gym, but never really had a chance for a, a proper chin wag with. And I, I was actually really impressed by the things she brought to the table, that, you know, particularly about banking. I hadn't really thought about how that ladders up to sustainability. So I hope it gave you some food for thought too and made you feel like... I don't know that it's not an all or nothing you're not either in or out when it comes to um, conscious consumerism that there is, you can try and find a way to mindfully do this in a, that also works for you and I'm not talking about not taking it seriously I'm talking about being realistic anyway enough from me Look forward to catching up with you next week. And as ever, always, always keen to hear from you. The email address is butwhy at clemmytalper.com. Give me your feedback. Let me know any guests you'd like me to talk to. Just say hello. All welcome. And until then, have a great week. Bye-bye.